Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In John 5, verse 24, Jesus himself declared, quote, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. Are you certain that you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and have truly crossed over from spiritual death to spiritual life? Are you certain that you are a real Christian as opposed to someone who just thinks they're a Christian or claims to be a Christian, but in reality is not? Let's open our Bible now that we may determine and know that we are truly saved and going to heaven when we die. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a Saturday morning here in Texas. And uh, as always, it's a good morning to be talking about Jesus, to be loving on Jesus, to be to be pleasing Jesus, to be thinking about Jesus. We are in uh, what I believe will be the last teaching of this series. How do I know that I'm really saved? How do I know that I'm a, a real Christian, a true Christian? Um, we've talked about how in Matthew 7, 21 to 23, we have, you know, what may be the scariest verses in the Bible. Uh, it's judgment day and these people are standing before Jesus and they believe themselves to be saved. They believe they were born again. Uh, Jesus says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord. And then they start to, to give them their resume. They believe they're saved. They call Jesus Lord. And then in a, in a very sad ending, he says to them in verse 23, away from me, I, I never knew you. And he calls them evildoers. Um, and what that means is, is that their lives were far more about living in sin than they were about living in Christ, showing that they were never really saved. And so again, as we get through this last teaching now, um, the first two teachings were on orthodoxy, having proper belief based on what the scripture says. Can you check the boxes when you test yourself? Remember, Paul said we went over the scripture in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, um, you know, to test yourselves. Don't you know that Christ Jesus lives in you, unless, of course, you fail the test. He says, examine yourselves. Again, 2 Corinthians 13, 5. And so these teachings were set up so that, that, that we could all do an examination, first of our beliefs. And once we have all our beliefs in order, which simply means we, we believe what the Bible tells us about who Jesus is, about why we need him, about what he's done about we believe properly about his life, death, and resurrection, and, and that we are currently actively trusting in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of our sins, the salvation of our soul, deliverance from the wrath of God and eternal hell, and to bring us to heaven when we die. Okay, we talked about what does it mean to be saved? To be saved means we need to be rescued. What do we need to be rescued from? We need to be rescued from hell. Right? It's a serious deal. Why do we need to be rescued from hell? Because we are all sinful people. All 8 billion people in the world, all human beings that have ever lived, except Jesus, the God-man, the God-man, are sinful and we need a savior. Okay, We are hopeless, helpless, and desperate, and, and only in Jesus Christ. And in receiving him, trusting him, and relying on him completely, for the forgiveness of our sins, the salvation of our soul, deliverance from the wrath of God and eternal hell, 
Can we ultimately go to heaven when we die? Can we receive eternal life? It's only in Jesus that we receive eternal life. Again, look at John 5 and let's look at verse 24. Okay, John 5, 24. Jesus speaking, I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. Okay, so we went through, again, the first two teachings on having proper beliefs, orthodoxy. And then in the last two teachings, we talked about, do you have evidence in your life that your beliefs are genuine? There are many a, a, a person who believes they're truly Christian that would maintain and claim to maintain all the proper beliefs. And we're going to talk about what those are. But, but yet there's absolutely no evidence in their life that this transaction has happened, that they have truly received Jesus Christ, that they have passed from death to life. Do you recognize spiritual life in you if you claim to have all the beliefs? Now, if you don't, if you don't adhere, if you, if you don't absolutely rest and confirm all the primary beliefs and doctrines of the scripture, then you're not saved, okay? You have not received eternal life. You're still in spiritual death. And if, and if any of us remain in that state, when we leave this life, only eternal hell awaits. And, and I say that out of a, 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 what hopefully can produce a desperate desire, a love, an urgency in us, an urgency in you to, to really know your hopeless, helpless, and desperate state if you're not truly trusting in Jesus, literally clinging to Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul. So again, I want to read this scripture, then we're going to pray. And again, this, this teaching is going to be about, so what do we do now? Okay, I've examined myself and I, I feel like I'm wanting. I confirm all the beliefs, which you have to do. But you know what? Yeah, I don't see a lot of evidence of eternal life. I don't see a real desire for Jesus. I don't think about trying to please Jesus. I don't have a, a tremendous conviction over my sin. You know, I, you know, I know that I do things that the Bible says are sin, um, and we all do. But is there a conviction about it? Does it grieve you? Does it bother you to sin, right? And whatever the sin is, right? Um, you know, do you, do you have a desire for the Bible? If you would say, yeah, no, I, you know, I don't ever read my Bible. I have no desire. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. There should be a, a pull to the scriptures, at some level. Now, again, there is a possibility that, that, that a Christian is saved and they are born again and they have done this transaction in John 5, 24, and they've just remained a baby and immature Christian. And certainly they'll go to heaven when they die. But the problem with that is that if we remain in immature Christianity, we can have no real assurance that we have genuinely been saved. One of the great evidences, the greatest evidence that you are saved is that you absolutely not only hold to all the beliefs, but you're more zealous to, for the beliefs of what the Bible teaches about Jesus. You're more zealous for your Christian beliefs, and you have a lifestyle of growing as a disciple of Jesus. You actually have a lifestyle where you can recognize an improvement in every aspect of your walk with Jesus. You recognize an improvement 
in your prayer life. You recognize an improvement in wanting to spend time with Jesus. You recognize an improvement of not only being convicted of your sin, but but repenting and doing disobedient things less and less. You recognize that you're actually becoming more obedient in many ways, right? To how Jesus would have you to think and speak and live. Um, and again, you recognize a, a, a growing conviction over your sin. You actually realize and know how sinful you are more and more and how much you need a savior. So, Father, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness and your grace on our lives. Father, we thank you for this, this wonderful series. Father, we ask you to open the hearts of all those who will listen to these messages, Father, in any who are not genuinely saved, any who think they're Christians but are not real Christians, have not received eternal life. Father, I pray that they would, they would come to the foot of the cross, that you would draw them unto you, that they would humble themselves, and that they would receive Jesus Christ as their only Lord and Savior. Lord Jesus, we do worship you and thank you. We thank you for your tremendous mercy, your favor, your goodness, and grace on our lives. We thank you for becoming a human man for us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for living a perfect, righteous life on our behalf that we could never live. We thank you for dying a torturous death on our behalf that we should have died. We thank you that you're alive and risen and we worship you today, our God and master and savior and king. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open the word of God. Lead us and guide us now. Give us eyes that see ears that hear, hearts that understand, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Okay, all right, so what now, okay? You have, you know, you've examined yourself, as Paul said in Second Corinthians 13, 5. Again, if, if you're on YouTube, you'll see the scripture on your, on your screen. Paul says, examine yourselves, Second Corinthians 13, 5, to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Don't you know that Christ Jesus lives in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Now, where is it that Christ Jesus came to live in you? We'll go back to John 5, verse 24. Jesus speaking, I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. And that's what we're looking at. Do you know that you've crossed over from spiritual death to spiritual life, and that's what we've talked about in the first four teachings, okay? Do you have the proper Christian beliefs, okay? And so I'm going to go through now a list of things that you must believe, okay? And so if, you know, if you would just simply acknowledge, it's not a super religious thing, okay? It starts with, you know, do, do you believe, right, in God, okay? Obviously, you can't be saved from your sin if you don't believe in God at all. Okay, um, the, the scripture says the fool uh, uh, says in his heart, there is no God. Okay, Hebrews eleven six right, says that, that, you know, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, right? And is the rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. So do you believe in God? Okay, do you then believe that you're accountable to God? Okay, Romans 14, 12 says that, that you know, that, that all of us will have to give an account of ourselves to God, right? Romans 3, 19 says, so that the whole world may be 
held accountable to God. Do you believe that? Okay, that that there is a God, that 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 He is the Creator. He created you. He created mankind. He created man and woman. He created, you know, the process that that uh, that, that that procreation can happen. That women can have babies. Um, you know, and again, do you believe that that you're his property, that you're accountable to God? Okay. Do you believe that we have a triune God, as the Bible clearly states? One being, three distinct individual persons, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. Okay. Do you believe that you have failed in your responsibilities to God? Do you believe that you have fallen short? Do you believe that you're sinful? Okay. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every human being, the Bible is clear, is sinful. And because of that sin, we need to be saved from an eternity in hell. Because of our sin, we are under the wrath of a holy God and we need to be saved. Do you believe that? Okay. Do you believe that you need to be saved from your sin, the wrath of God the Father, and an eternity in hell? Again, the scripture is unambiguous on this. It's not confusing. It's plain. And again, we've gone over these scriptures in the past four teachings. Okay. Do you believe you need a savior? Do you believe that because of this situation, because that, that you are accountable to a holy God and because you have failed and that you are a sinful person, that you need a savior, that you are in a hopeless, helpless, desperate state, and that you need to be saved, okay? Again, as we said, from your sin, the wrath of God, and really the result of those things is an eternity in hell. Do you believe that? Now do you believe that Jesus Christ is that savior? Do you believe that Jesus is the only savior, not just for you, not just for me, for all humanity, Jesus of his own words, out of his own mouth in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Do you believe that? Okay. Do you believe Jesus is the only way? Right? Do you believe that the truth is found in Jesus? The only truth found with regard to the redemption and the salvation of my soul, my being able to go to heaven and spend eternity with our heavenly Father, is found only in Jesus. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me, for there's no other way to have our sins forgiven. It's only when our sins forgiven, when our sins are forgiven, that the wrath of God has been satisfied because Jesus took it for us. Let that sink in. That again, the wrath of our holy God, God the Father, was, you know, would have, would have, would have really overwhelmed us into an eternity in hell, but Jesus stood in the way and took the wrath of God the Father for us, right? He absorbed the wrath of God on the cross for us, all right? So again, do you believe Jesus is the only Savior for all humanity, yourself and all humanity? And finally, out of all these places now, you've come to this place to believe that. Have you now with this heart with a, with a heart of knowing your desperation and your hopelessness and your helplessness, have you cried out to Jesus? John 1.12 says that, that to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. 
Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 14, but how can they call on the one they haven't believed in? How can they believe in the one they haven't heard? How can they hear without someone speaking to them or preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they're set? Okay. Have you, out of a heart of desperation, have you reached out to Jesus and called on him? Again, Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay. But you're having to call on the name of Jesus believing all that the scripture says about Jesus. So that's why I've said, believing all the things I've just outlined, have you now called out to Jesus? Have you humbled yourself before him, acknowledged your sin and asked him to be the Lord of your life? So some of you may be listening right now and says, I'm not sure that I have, but I want to. You could pray with me right now, okay? It's not the words that save you, okay? It's Christ that saves us. And if you're genuine, and John 5, 24 comes to, to pass, Jesus will come to live inside of you. He will indeed become the Lord of your life. He will give you eternal life. You'll have spiritual life. You'll go from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive. And you'll begin to have these desires for Jesus, conviction over your sin, and a desire to know him, to love him, and to obey him, and a desire to know his love for you. So if you'd say, you know what, I've examined myself and I do believe those things, and but I'm not sure. I don't really have a, a lifestyle that, 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 that really has a whole lot of desire for Jesus that I can recognize. Then you can simply pray with me now. And again, it's, it's, the, it's really the, you know, it's really our heart that our Heavenly Father is concerned with. We use words, right? It's words, our words don't save us. Again, it's Jesus that saves us, but it's the, you know, it's really the, you know, the concern of our heart, right? It's the disposition of our heart that matters. Are you genuinely calling out to Jesus, knowing your desperate need of him? So simply just pray with me now, Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinful person. Lord Jesus, I know that I've done wrong and I know that I am a hopeless, helpless desperate sinner. And Jesus, I believe that without you, only an eternity in hell awaits. But Lord Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I do believe that you came into this world and lived a perfect righteous life on my behalf. And Lord, I believe you died a torturous death on my behalf and in my place that I should have died. And Lord Jesus, I believe today that you're alive and risen. And therefore, I humble myself before you now, Lord Jesus, and I ask you to be the Lord of my life. I ask you to come and live in my heart. I ask you to give me eternal life, Lord Jesus. I ask you to forgive me of my sin, Lord Jesus. And I ask you to deliver me from the wrath of my heavenly Father, eternal hell. And I ask you to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, right now, I place all my faith, all my hope, all my confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. Lord Jesus, it's in your name I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's what it means when Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Meaning, again, you're calling on him from a heart of hopeless, 
helpless desperation, earnestly desiring for him to save you, to give you eternal life, to give you the forgiveness of your sins, salvation of your soul, deliverance of eternal hell, and to bring you to heaven when you die. That's how you call on him again. And so it's not, it's not just the words. I can't say that enough. The, part of the reason that this teaching is so important is because people have been in church or they've been somewhere and someone has talked to them about the gospel and they figure, yeah, it's a good idea. I might as well, might as well pray the prayer. I mean, I might as well say the words. It sounds good to me. And that's, that's not how John 5, 24 comes about. It comes from a, an earnest heart to receive Jesus Christ. I'll read it again. John 5, verse 24. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word, and again, that word is the gospel we just preached. That word is all of those things that you believe in God, that you're accountable to him, that you have failed in that accountability, that you are a sinful person. And because of your sin, you are in a hopeless, helpless, desperate state. You could do nothing to save yourself. You need a savior and you are not it. And bam, you believe that Jesus Christ, the Lord of heaven and earth, is the only savior, the only way for you to have eternal life, the forgiveness of your sins, the salvation of your soul, deliverance from the wrath of God and eternal hell. He's the only way you'll ever get to heaven when you die. And out of that heart, you have called on him and asked him to be the Lord of your life. And you are currently and actively trusting in him. And that's what it means when he says, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, you believe the word of God. And all that it says about Jesus, Jesus said, has eternal life. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. Okay. The issue is not that you can lose your salvation. I want to make this clear. Okay. If we believe we can lose our salvation, if we believe that we can receive this eternal life, this spiritual life and then somehow lose it, we have not yet come to understand how we received it. We don't do anything to get saved. It's, it's, it's only receiving a free gift. Jesus has offered us the gift of salvation. It's just opening your hands and receiving the gift of salvation. You did nothing to earn your salvation. You just accepted a gift. You can do nothing to lose it. The question is not, whether or not you can lose it, it's whether you were ever truly saved. You remember the scriptures we, we spoke about in Matthew 7, 1, 7, 21 to 23. To those who thought they were Christians, they thought they were saved. Jesus said, away from me, I never knew you. Not that, that I knew you and you lost your salvation. You were never saved. You had never had eternal life. You had never crossed over from spiritual death to spiritual life. So again, the, the, the issue is not that you can be saved and lose it, saved and lose it, saved and lose it again. Um, when you get genuinely saved, you cross over from spiritual death to spiritual life. It's a done deal. You will not be condemned. Okay. Jesus is your Lord and Savior. God the Father is your heavenly Father. And now, if we're disobedient, you are saved, but you're going to undergo a, a difficult life of consistent discipline if you're not growing to know Jesus, okay? Um, and so, again, 
if you affirmed all that, if you said those prayers, you ought to recognize in your heart, if you've genuinely received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you affirm all the proper beliefs, right? You believe in the Lord Jesus, as Acts uh, you know, 16, 31 says, and you believe all that the Bible has said about Jesus, all that I've said here. Again, when you when you look at your life, okay, when you look at how you're living your life, when you see your lifestyle, do you see these evidences of that belief? Okay. The scripture teaches that there ought to be some kind of lifestyle that desires Jesus in some way if you truly are saved, if Jesus Christ is truly living in you. Again, remember Paul said in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, test yourselves. Don't you know that Christ Jesus lives in you? Okay, so again, Jesus is living in a true believer. You're one with him. You're part of his spiritual body. You're part of the body of Christ. You're part of the bride of Christ. You're actually married to Jesus in spirit, right? So again, a person that is truly saved ought to be able to go through, and I did this in teachings three or four, in three and four, and, and do an examination again of their lifestyle. Okay, do you find yourself pulled toward the Bible and wanting to read and study the scriptures at all? Do you do you see that you know? Do you have a lifestyle of prayer active? Like, do you notice a lifestyle of prayer in your life? Do you notice that every day you go to the Lord in prayer? Do you notice that you have this heart to cry out, Abba, Father, as Paul said in, in Romans 8, like 14 and 15, right? Um, the Holy Spirit drives us to cry out. Do you see a desire to prayer? Do you have an active and growing prayer life? Do you see a desire in your heart to please Jesus by obeying him? Do you, you know, do, do you have a lifestyle of conviction over your sin when you do wrong? Do you have a lifestyle of coming in agreement with what the scripture says is wrong? Or do you just consistently rationalize your behavior? Do you have a lifestyle of looking to make your life fit what the Bible says? Or do you more want to twist the Bible to make it fit how you want to live? And so when you do this examination, okay, if you would say, yeah, I have most of those things, but man, I'm really convicted on some of those things. I'm not sure. If in any way you're not sure, you always go back to the foot of the cross because nothing we do saves us. Nothing we do can save us from our sin. Just like nothing we do can keep us from heaven. We're simply saved by receiving the free gift of salvation, right? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. If you find that you're not sure, if you find that you would say, you know, man, I'm, I'm really convicted, that's a good thing. You know, one of the great evidences that you're saved is that, man, this is concerning you and you do want to go back to the foot of the cross and receive Jesus anew and afresh. Again, rewind the tape back to where whatever it was, five, six, eight, ten minutes ago. Humble yourself before Jesus. Acknowledge your complete hopelessness, helplessness, and desperation. Acknowledge the fact that he is your only hope. You believe that he is the Son of God. You believe that 
He is God the Son, that your God became a human man for you. You believe he came into this world and lived a perfect, righteous life that you could never live and then gave it to you as if you lived it. You believe that he died a torturous death on the cross, that you deserve to die and took all of your sin on himself at the cross. And you believe that he is alive and risen. And out of that heart, you want to ask him, you want to humble yourself and ask him to be the Lord of your life and proclaim your full trust and confidence and reliance in Jesus alone. In your heart, you ought to recognize a clinging to Jesus for your salvation, for your deliverance from eternal hell. And so again, it's, uh, it's been a good series. I hope this has made sense to everybody. Again, I, I find this the single most important topic that we could have discussed. Again, we're in a time of topical teachings. I don't know if we'll do another five, six, seven teachings before we go into another book. And I believe, I'm not certain, but I believe the next book we're going to do is going to be 1 John. And the book of 1 John, as we've said throughout these teachings, right, declares in 1 John 5.13, the Apostle John says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. The purpose that the book was written is so that you can know you are really saved, that you can know that John 5, 24 has happened in your life, that you can have confidence that you're a genuine Christian, that God the Father is your heavenly Father, that Jesus Christ, God the Son, is your Lord and Savior and Master and King and Friend, and that God the Holy Spirit is your guide, your counselor, and your comforter so that you can truly know that you've been saved. So I believe the next book we're going to do, um, after we finish the topicals, um, we're going to go on to some different topicals here after this, um, is to go through verse by verse by verse the five chapters of First John. Again, because can there be anything more important than this? So I urge you, I beg you to go through the teachings, to go through the five teachings, to examine your beliefs, and then... If you got all your beliefs in order to examine your lifestyle, to see if there's some evidence at all that these beliefs are genuine. And again, if you would say I have most of these things when it comes, you would, if you would say I have all the beliefs and I do have most of these things and I'm getting better at them, well, then you can have assurance that you have eternal life. But if not, then I beg you to humble yourself. We don't want anyone. I don't want anyone. You don't want to stand before Jesus one day and hear him say those awful words away from me. I never knew you. I never knew you. Lord Jesus, we worship you. We thank you. We praise you, Lord, for your mercy, Lord. It's our heart, Lord. It's my heart that no one ever should have to hear those words away from me. I never knew you. Lord Jesus, I ask you to draw, Father, I ask you to draw all those to you who think they're Christians, who think they're saved, that have gone to church, that are in one of the many denominations, but they have never truly crossed over from death to life. I pray you draw them unto you, open their heart, Lord. And Lord, I pray that, that, that you would woo them, Holy Spirit, that they would receive the free gift of salvation in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, we love you. We worship you. We thank you and we praise you. We ask you to have mercy on your people. 
We commit this teaching into your hands, Holy Spirit. We commit this topic into your hands of how I can know that I'm really saved. We ask you to seal it to our hearts. Give us eyes that see Jesus, eyes that see our need of him, ears that hear him, and hearts that we might understand and truly be saved, truly cross over from death to life, only in Jesus Christ our Lord. It's in his name we pray. Amen and amen.